Welcome back to the second episode of A for Hour. I'm your host, Dimitri Kalyagin, joined as always by Conrad France. Conrad, how are you? I'm doing well, Dimitri. It's good to be back. Episode two, we're going to be continuing to talk about some not yet canonized saints, specifically actually focusing on some monarchs who are considered saintly that are not yet canonized. If you haven't checked out the last episode, be sure to check it out. We uh, this is our this is our esoteric show, our non-breaking news show, our you know our our history show where we kind of break down the stuff that isn't necessarily breaking in the news in the headlines. World War Three, but we think is tertiary periphery to it that really helps fill in some background on some of the things and ideas that we always bring to you every week on World War Now. And this is our second episode. Again, sometimes these will be free. This one, of course, is still mostly for paid subscribers, but a few weeks we'll have one free. We're going to have guests on here as well, so look forward to all that. Thank you again to everyone who supported us. We have a big, big response to our last episode. A lot of people signed up for the page, so we really appreciate that. But with all of that being said, uh, unless you have anything you want to maybe tap people in about the last episode, Dimitri, let's dive into some, some uncanonized monarchs. Yeah, so this episode, of course, is a continuation from the previous AFL episode, which discussed the uncanonized, most popular uncanonized Orthodox saints, at least those most spoken about in the Orthodox world. So definitely check that episode out. But this is the continuation, and perhaps we're starting off on a very regal and noble note to discuss the, um, I suppose, famous and in many liberal and communist minds, infamous dynasty of the Romanovs in Russia. Now, I personally consider the Romanovs perhaps to be one of the more successful Orthodox Christian dynasties in Orthodox imperial history, which lasted roughly from the 300s AD until the early 1900s, uh, you know, which unfortunately ended, or at least seemingly was put on pause or hold, as you know, many of us believe, in 1917 during the communist and liberal February revolutions. Now, the Romanov dynasty, of course, was mostly famous for its 300-year reign over the Russian Empire, and of course bringing the Russian Tsardom into its, I suppose, imperial stage. Many consider the word Tsardom and Empire to be synonymous, myself included, but just for the sake of um, historical accuracy, the Russian Empire was, of course, uh, came to the forefront through the Romanovs. Now, why are the Romanovs significant? I suppose it's important to begin for folks to understand that the previous dynasty that ruled Russia, the Rurikids, or those uh, who came from, say, uh, Rurik, the ancient Rus uh, conqueror, as well as St. Vladimir of Kiev, who baptized the Russians into the Orthodox faith, that dynasty continued on to rule Russia for over 800 years, ending in the late 1500s. Now, the reason why it ended was because the last I suppose the last senior member of that dynasty, uh, and he was actually a saint, Saint Fyodor Ioannovich, the son of uh, Ivan the Terrible, the famous Tsar, he was actually childless. Now, this particular, it's interesting that the last dynasty ended on a saint, and this saint is canonized in the Orthodox Church, broadly venerated, a great miracle worker in his own right. He is very reminiscent, of course, even physically, he looked like Saint, uh, the recent Saint John of Shanghai, so very... Uh, a very pious Tsar indeed, but his mo his mother was actually Anastasia Romanov, so the first wife of Tsar Ivan the Terrible was a Romanov princess. Now, the Romanovs were quite a noble family in those days in the 1500s, but they were nothing. No one really saw them becoming, I suppose, the next dynasty to rule over Russia, but it, it just so happened that the first wife of Ivan the Fourth or Ivan the Terrible gave birth to this great saint in the Orthodox Church. Now, this is probably, in my opinion, providentially what, what gave rise to this uh, idea that the Romanovs were meant to, I suppose, were the inheritors of this previous dynasty. The Romanovs, of course, had Prussian roots, 
going all the way back to the uh, Prussian Druids, even pre-Christian pagan, pagan North Germans, Baltic Germans. Uh, this is probably some information for a future episode on exactly the roots of the Romanov dynasty, but the Romanov dynasty ended up ruling Russia from the 1600s all the way to the 1900s, so roughly 300 years. And it gave us, of course, the last Tsar, which St. Nicholas II and his family greatly venerated and very honored in the Orthodox Church. But what we're discussing today is possibly some potential other saints from the dynasty who, or, you know, future saints, some great Tsars and emperors who we believe, myself and Conrad, as well as many members of the Orthodox Church, we do believe them to be uh, not just venerable, but also probably uncanonized saints. Starting with, of course, Tsar Paul I, who was... Um, not just very slant, not just slandered throughout his life, but he only ruled for roughly three and a half years. Uh, but he he was he he was also of course assassinated by a Freemasonic conspiracy together with some machinations from the British Empire and perhaps even some French revolutionary pressures as well. Very mysterious circumstances to his death. But most importantly, I think what to say about Emperor Paul was that he was greatly slandered not just during his life but also afterwards. Modern historians, liberal, communist, and even patriotic Russian historians paint him in a very negative light. They call him a neurotic, they call him an eccentric ruler, and he was quite eccentric, essentially coming to power only in his late 40s, and his uh, his mother, Empress Catherine II, who wasn't an ethnic Russian, but uh, of course uh, tried to embrace Russia as well as orthodoxy to the best of her ability, was never really fond of her son Paul. So he only came to rule Russia in his about mid to late 40s. So he waited to rule Russia for a very long time. He had all these plans he wanted to implement. Unfortunately, he only ruled for a very short time due to the various conspiracies in court, as well as externally, and most of them Masonic, of course, at their roots. Um, and he ended up actually getting assassinated uh, for his uh, duties. And some interesting accounts, unpublished yet in the English language, speak about his pious attendance at liturgy, especially in the early years, he would attend every single liturgy on every Sunday, and he wouldn't miss a single service of the year, not a single feast day. He would keep to the Lent. He would, of course, fast very strictly, and he would attend every liturgy dressed up in full imperial regalia. So the same regalia you would see in the famous photographs when, you know, the actual imperial crown, the imperial mantle, this is the mantle with the, the white and the black spots on it, the gigantic mantle, and he would att actually attend liturgy in that mantle. And throughout the his three-year reign, towards the end, he actually, slowly but surely, it's almost as if, kind of expecting his own death, he would he would wear more and more humble clothing. Not that he couldn't wear, of course, full imperial regalia, or that was somehow wrong, but he slowly, eventually, he just came to the liturgy dressed in regular citizen clothing, and interestingly enough, was assassinated shortly afterwards. So, a very pious Tsar. Uh, many things are, of course, unpublished about him in the English language, but 